Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Okay, uh, first question is, uh, you kind of took a circuitous uh, route from when you were with the Kentucky Colonels to the Denver Nuggets um, with the Baltimore Claws. Can you explain how that kind of weird uh, kind of you going there and then coming to the Nuggets thing happened? Because it yeah. didn't involve money. Uh, well, it, it involved uh, the, the uh, <clears throat> you have to remember that that was uh, kind of the uh, end of the ABA era. And mm-hmm. there were, um, there were a lot of teams that were struggling financially. And, uh, and Dave DeBusher was then the commissioner of the ABA. And he basically gave the Memphis franchise um, to uh, a couple of fellows in Baltimore. Mm. And, uh, and so um, the uh, John Y. Brown, who owned the, uh, the Colonels, uh, of course, uh, he started Kentucky Fried Chicken and, mm-hmm. uh, and was later governor of, of Kentucky. Uh, we had just won the ABA championship, and he had still lost money. So uh, he got the idea that he was going to sell some of his assets uh, to help make up the deficit. And so I was basically sold to the Baltimore Claws. And oh, <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard, I've heard for a couple different amounts. I've heard, I've heard 350,000 and I, and I heard 500,000. So I, I don't know which one is, is accurate, but, uh, it was, it was in that range. Uh, unfortunately, the two fellows that the commissioner DeBusher gave the team to in Baltimore, uh, didn't have, um, the financial wherewithal and, uh, uh, and so John Y, uh, we announced that, that I had been sold. Well, I don't know if they said sold or traded, but I, it was mm-hmm. sold for uh, <laughs> to the uh, the Baltimore Claws, if you can b- believe the name of that franchise. But, uh, <laughs> ten, ten days later, he hadn't uh, he hadn't received his money, and he was uh, taking a. a pretty good licking in the Louisville media. And so um, he showed up at the hotel I was staying, my wife and I were staying at, uh, in Baltimore and said, uh, if I get you out of here, will you say some nice things about me in the Louisville newspaper? And uh, and I said, a deal. And so uh, Marvin Webster, who had been a draft choice of the Nuggets, uh, had come down with hepatitis. And so I, I guess uh, either Carl Shear called John Y or John Y called Carl Shear. And, and I, I came to Denver uh, for the same amount of money that I was supposed to go to, uh, to Baltimore for. Uh, the, the, the real tragedy in that whole story is that to make the deal look somewhat legitimate and um, 
and to keep the the franchise, the Baltimore franchise, at least afloat, uh, it was announced that I was traded for Dave Robish. And poor poor Dave had to go to Baltimore, and uh, and, a, and a couple of weeks later, uh, that franchise wound up uh, folding. And I think they played three exhibition games, but never played a regular season game. That is fascinating. That is definitely one of the fascinating parts of the the end of the ABA, because you had all these teams folding, and uh, I'm really surprised that as successful as the Kentucky Colonels were. I'm surprised that they weren't among the teams destined for the NBA. Yeah, well, uh, you know, to carry that thinking a little further, that uh, John Y. uh, was going to sell uh, an asset uh, uh, to make up the difference for the money he lost, in in the negotiations uh, of the uh, merger, uh, you know, John Y made the decision that it would be better to sell his players because the ABA teams that didn't weren't part of the merger that were still in operation uh, got a chance to sell their players uh, to the NBA teams, and they had had a draft. And uh, you know, Artis, of course, was the Artis Gilmore was the plum of of those players, and I think John Y received like three million dollars for Artis. Uh, going to the Bulls. So uh, the fact that, you know, he chose to sell all of his players and not be part of the merger uh, was was just kind of him following through on what he started by selling me. Well, that was a good Kentucky. I mean, you uh, when you guys won the championship the year before, it was you, uh, Louis Dampier, who was, I guess, one of the more under, unappreciated or underappreciated players in uh, basketball history. And Artis Gilmore, of course, you know, made it into the NBA with the Bulls, and I think that when looking back on it, that uh, let's see, Hubie Brown was the coach, right? Yep, it was cer- this- certainly the best, certainly the best basketball team I ever played on, yeah. and uh, and and you know, there's not very many teams that can say that they had four Hall of Famers on the team yeah. at the same time with uh, Artis and Louie, and and of course Hubie uh, in as as a coach, so. Um, yeah, it was it was a great team, and uh, I think we would have had uh, seeing the success that we had with the Nuggets here uh, the first few years we were in the NBA. I think that you know the the Colonels certainly would have uh, would have been uh, on that level. I uh, there's a new book out. It's called Tall Tales and Short Shorts, and <laughs> it's all about basketball in the '70s. It's written by a guy named Adam Cribbles. And huh. he was this kind of. I, I actually, if you ever, if you come to Pep Center this year, I'll have to give it to you. It is a fascinating book, just all about the NBA and the ABA in the seventies. And hmm. it's kind of was the inspiration and the genesis of me writing this article. And it's fascinating to see how this Nuggets team evolved, because I think the year before you came here, uh, Larry. And Doug Moe came with, and he brought Matt Calvin, and uh, I think Bobby Jones was drafted then, and right. completely completely transformed the team. They went from winning 37 games to 65 games in a, a short time span. And yeah, if I if I'm not mistaken, uh, that that year that we won the championship, didn't they have the best record in the ABA? 
They did, or, and they lost. They lost to uh, Indiana, I believe. Yeah, the Pacers in the in the semifinals, and then we beat the Pacers in the finals. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, George McGinnis, the, uh, the the guy who sacked it in later with you guys, but was a big part of that team, that Pacers team. And it's funny because one of the reasons I kind of like ju- progress this direction is when you. Uh, kind of got to the Nuggets, you know, you were there with Larry Brown and his plaid suits and uh, got all the, the different wild aspects of the Nuggets with Chopper Travellini and <laughs> the, the wildness that was the NBA. When you first got to Denver, was your impression, I am on a winning team, or was it a just getting over the fact that you were traded and from a place that you had won, just won a championship? Yeah, I, well, that that of course uh, took a took a while getting over after uh, after four years at the University of Kentucky and five years with the Colonels. I I I was foolish enough to think they couldn't have a team in, in Kentucky without me being a part of it, and yeah. I, I found out very quickly that uh, that I could, even though the the Colonels were gone a, a year later. No, I was. Uh, I thought after 10 days in Baltimore, I thought I had landed in heaven because, oh, uh, yeah. it, you know, the, the, the Nuggets did have the best record uh, in the ABA the year before, even though it didn't result in a championship. And so, no, I knew. And, you know, of course, uh, we we got David. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, 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 I knew that uh, that we were in great shape and, and, uh, and we're going to have a good basketball team. When you when David Thompson was first drafted, did you get the impression immediately uh, when he joined that he was going to be a special player? Yes, no question about it. Yeah. And and in fact, you know, I've I've said if David hadn't had his problems, uh, you know, people would still talk about David as uh, uh, in in terms of uh, you know one of the best players that ever played the game. I mean, he was. Uh, Yes, he was phenomenal. You knew from from day one he was going to be a very special player. I mean, I, I think was it Larry Brown famously said uh, later on that he didn't think you could your best team, your best player on your team could be six six four, I, right? Which is, a, which is a strange quote, um, but Larry Brown has I, I'm finding out more and more said a lot of strange quotes, but there is a there's that, <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean I. I you don't have to go into it if you don't want to, but uh, that that last year with Larry just seems extremely bizarre. But they they that point with uh, coming back to Thompson, that point was seeing someone who was as I think uh, I see a quote from you were saying like, uh, well maybe not you or someone else. Oh no, it was Bill Walton saying that he was Michael Jordan before he was Michael Jordan was around, and right. it was it. In the seventies, did you think the NBA was ready for that type of type of of talent? Because Dr. J was six seven, but he was a small forward, and that was more traditionally one of those premium spots. But never, never quite like a two guard being able to jump what what a sixty four inch vertical, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, uh, you know, David David certainly uh, uh, was special. I mean, not only could he jump. Uh, his vertical jump was phenomenal, but you know he he was uh, he was a great basketball player even without 
that talent. I mean, he mm-hmm. could. Uh, he didn't have to get to the rim and dunk to score. I mean, he could. He could score in in uh, any number of of ways. And so, um, you know, he was. I, I think he was a player that uh, you know people hadn't seen. You have to remember. Before the ABA came along, I mean, the, the, the NBA was just kind of a, you know, shove it inside, get, get to the hoop, uh, uh, you know, good, good shooters, but not, not great shooters. And, and when the ABA came along, it, uh, they really opened up the, the play. And it was, in my mind, a much more interest, uh, entertaining game to watch because of, uh, up and down, especially here in Denver, uh, up and down style and, uh, shooting the three pointer. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the ABA helped transform, uh, basketball in the NBA in, in, in a lot of ways. And David was certainly part of that. Well, this, uh, something that you were specifically a part of was, uh, basically, I think you are technically the first stretch five. Uh, in the, in the league. <laughs> I don't remember ever seeing anything about a, 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 a player who shot, like got a, mo- a lot of his points on the perimeter. And what did you describe your head fake as an eighth grade head fake? Uh, yeah. All, yeah, yeah. You, if, if they, if, <laughs> if they had ever stopped going for that head fake, my career would have been <laughs> over very, very quickly. But, you know, I, I, I kind of did that out of, uh, out of just surviving because, uh, you know, there was no way I could go inside and, and play against uh, the more physical centers uh, uh, in the NBA. And so to take them outside and to, and to have them do something they weren't comfortable with or accustomed to uh, was kind of my way of surviving in the league. Did you, when you developed that, um, it's, was it a conscious, you know, outside of you know, really developing that thing? Because you at Kentucky were playing the small, uh, the big, the power forward spot. Did you have to readjust coming back to Denver when you were when you were the center? Because uh, Nugget, it's quote unquote small ball with you and Bobby Jones as the uh, as the front court. I mean, both of you six nine. Was that an adjustment to kind of switch positions from? Power forward back to center. Yeah, not not really. I, where that all started was at the University of Kentucky. Coach mm-hmm. Rupp would start every practice with a half hour of shooting, and it wasn't you know it wasn't take a shot and visit with your buddy. It was uh, first of all there was no talking in a Coach Rupp practice, yeah. and and you know you you shot the ball and and ran after it and dribbled it back out and shot it. I mean, it was a pretty good workout for a half hour. And so, you know, it got pretty boring just shooting bank shots around the rim. And so I, that's where I developed the, the ability to, you know, hit the 15 to 18-foot to jump shot. And so I, I always had that in, in my repertoire. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, going from power forward to a center – it was it was a bigger adjustment on the defensive end than it was on the offensive end. Well, you guys ended up getting uh, when your first year, you won sixty games, and it was the the ABA was basically decimated by that point because of all the all the teams folding. And uh, I think was there seven teams or eight teams left in the ABA by the time the last year of the ABA. Uh, seven. 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 Yeah, yeah. And you, you all play played eighty four games. 
which right. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people don't don't realize that the ABA played two more games in the and then the ABA excuse me the NBA. Yeah, and, let me tell you something. They didn't they didn't uh, they didn't change the travel schedule. We were we were flying. I saw a quote from Charles the other day about the the poor babies mm-hmm. can't play back to back games. Uh, we we flew coach, uh, not not first class. We flew coach and would and and I remember one time we played three games in a row, not two games in a row, in three mm-hmm. different cities. So so um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have I, I don't have too much sympathy. I mean, when when I see somebody missed a game for rest, I I laugh out loud. I mean, it's 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 pretty ludicrous where that has all gone. Well, see, even just as a side thing, can you imagine when you were coaching rest just resting resting players, just saying uh, just don't play tonight? I mean, it's, yeah. always, it's yeah. something's always gone on, but I mean, it's like it it it's kind of anathema to me to see LeBron James basically taking two weeks off in the middle of the year. Just because he wants yeah. to rest, right? And, and 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 if you look at the minutes played back mm-hmm. then, I mean, you know, most most starters were playing thirty eight, forty minutes a game, and yeah. and playing back to back and flying coach and and so it, uh, uh, you know, I don't I don't know I don't think anybody plays thirty eight, forty minutes a game anymore. Uh, I believe um, Gallinari played thirty. Four minutes a game, 35, 34 to thirty-five, and he led the Nuggets last year. Right in minutes, yeah. and that's and and that's just. I mean, to me, it's not what I grew up with in the NBA, um, and I I can't. It's just a, a brave new world. But you and I are probably. I talk to Scott Hastings all the time about this, and you know Scott, uh, he's very yeah. opinionated about these things, and <laughs> he, he will. He, he said, you know that. He's one of the reasons he and I get along and have dinner a lot is because we both kind of think the same way. So if you can imagine the way Scott thinks, um, I, coming back to what we we're talking about, the, the, the last year in the NBA, you guys ended up playing fast forward to the playoffs, the Kentucky Colonels, and right. uh, in that, and it's a legendary rough and tumble series from uh, the way people describe it. I obviously uh, don't have experience viewing it, but. What was it like playing your former team and uh, kind of going through this kind of intense seven-game series with them? Yeah, it, you know, it was uh, it, it was difficult. I, I uh, a couple of things that I remember from that series. Of course, you know, guarding Artis was was always very difficult. He he mm-hmm. might have been. I I, I I played in an All-Star game for about three minutes against Wilt Chamberlain when Wilt was right at the end of his career, I, I guess Wilt might have been stronger than Artis, but there aren't too many, there aren't too many <laughs> players who ever played the game that were stronger than Artis. But, uh, mm-hmm. so that was, that was certainly a challenge. The a couple of things that I remember, uh, distinctly was we played the first game, uh, in, uh, in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I was introduced, uh, in the, in the starting lineup. And got a standing ovation from the fans in Kentucky. And the announcer kept, uh, he was announcing Bobby Jones was a player to be uh, announced af- after me. And he mm-hmm. kept saying at forward, Bobby Jones. And, and the crowd was continued to, uh, to cheer. And Larry, Larry wouldn't let Bobby go out on the floor. Bobby sat, Bobby sat on the bench. I, the, the announcer must have said it 10 times. 
before he finally <laughs> came, came out on the floor. But it was a very physical series, and uh, of course, it was uh, it was quite rewarding to, uh, uh, to 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 beat the Colonels in that series. I thought I thought at that point I thought I, we had a real chance at uh, at the ABA championship. Well, progressing to that, the that is um, game six is one of the it's probably painful for you, but one of the most remembered aspects of the ABA. And what are your specific, I mean, you guys, I honestly, based on the way people were describing, had probably the better team, but they had Dr. J, and he basically took over in game six, uh, particularly in the yeah. second half. Yeah. What was, and, and, what was yeah. go ahead. I, what I remember most about that game was how physical it was. And uh, mm-hmm. John John Williamson was a guard on that team, a very good guard. And he he just started beating people up. And the, the officials let the game get uh, more and more physical. But where we really lost that series was in game number one. And if I, if I have my statistics right, uh, Julius, as you said, Julius just – Kind of took over that that whole series, and mm-hmm. uh, Julius Julius, we lost game number one. We had the home home court advantage. We lost game number one here in Denver, and Julius had 18 points in the fourth quarter, going against Bobby Jones, who was you know arguably the best de- defensive forward uh, in basketball at the time, and mm-hmm. so you know we lost that that game at home, game number one, and lost the home court advantage. But I, I, I remember game six being a very, very physical game. Well, and they uh, they made a big comeback, and that kind of is like what cemented Dr. J, or Julius Irving's legacy, and then that kind of propelled him into what, you know, he became with the Sixers. And right. you guys took that, but what always I admired about this, like reading up and, and really studying, is that you guys went in the, into the NBA the following year, and it was difficult. I, I think it was like a $3.2 million fee for uh, you, for the Nuggets to pay like the ABA teams, plus you're paying uh, uh, off the Spirits of St. Louis uh, owners <laughs> for right. perpetuity. And yeah. uh, that you guys get in there and immediately win 50 games. In the NBA, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember the, the the NBA had a strange sense of uh, humor. Our our very first game in the NBA uh, with the Denver Nuggets was against the Indianapolis Pacers, and I <laughs> I played the I had played the Indianapolis Pacers a thousand times during my ABA career. And and that was the that was the first the first NBA game was against the old <laughs> ABA team. But uh, yeah, we had we had a, that was a good team. Uh, you know, we were uh, we we won the, the Midwest Division. I think the first two years we were in the NBA, we won mm-hmm. the Midwest Division, and uh, it, you know, it was again that was very satisfying. Uh, uh, you know, proving to people that the. The ABA wasn't a junior league. That by the time the merger happened, uh, the ABA teams and players were equal to anything that that was in the NBA. Well, you you come to the NBA, and uh, uh, you know he didn't earn the nickname Minister of Defense until he was in Philadelphia. But Bobby Jones 
became, I think over time, kind of like that kind of glue guy that you always need on a team. And, and it seems like his influence was missed later on when uh, Carl Shearer traded him. And do you well, think that, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, Bobby, Bobby always got, Bobby always got the toughest, uh, uh, defensive assignment in, in a team of scorers and, uh, and people who enjoyed, uh, you know, I heard the, I heard the quote about Press Maravich one time when he was coaching Pete. He said the quickest way to get the ball back on offense is to let the other team score. And that, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, kind, that was kind of our philosophy with the, with the Nuggets. We did, we didn't have too many outstanding defensive players. And so, uh, poor Bobby, he got, he got the tough assignment every night. And, uh, you're right. When he, when he left, uh, we didn't have anybody who played defense. That is, uh, it's, it's fascinating and it's, it's watching the, uh, there's actually, if you go to YouTube, there's a ton of highlights of, of you specifically and David Thompson from 77 to 78 all over. Uh, there's one game, I think in 78, you guys were playing the Sixers at home and you had a big game. The Thompson had a big, big game, but I think the Sixers won that game, mm-hmm. um, at, when you guys were at home, but it was, it's, it's, Watching you guys play, it is fascinating to see just how talented those uh, early NBA Nuggets teams were. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, you know, we 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 had uh, those those were really some good teams, and uh, like I said, we had our our shortcomings uh, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but there weren't too many teams who could uh, who could run with us and outscore us for sure. Um, what was it like to be, uh, how do I put this, uh, what was the Larry Brown experience like? Uh, you know, Larry, Larry, uh, Larry is probably the best basketball teacher, uh, mm-hmm. that I ever played for. I was, I was blessed to, to play for some really, really good coaches. I mean, yeah. I, I think at, at last count, like four, Four coaches I played for in college and in pros are, are in the uh, in the basketball Hall of Fame, and that's why I always thought Larry was was um, was better suited for the college game because yeah. uh, of all the great coaches I played for, uh, he he was the best teacher of the game, um, and and so you know it was. Uh, it was good playing for him, and as you said, you know he uh, he thinks a little different sometimes, and yeah. but but you can't you can't argue with the success that he has. This is very true, and um, I I this my my father wanted me to ask you this question, and uh, if if you would know, uh, he wanted me to ask you what the hell happened to Brian Taylor. Oh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Larry, Larry would always, uh, Larry would always take chances on players, uh, that, that everybody else had kind of washed their hands with. I remember I played with a very talented kid by the name of Jim Bradley, who was from Northern Illinois. And he was, uh, he was on that championship team in, in Kentucky. 
uh, and but just a complete dopehead. I mean, the guy couldn't get to practice on time, and uh, mm-hmm. you know he'd miss planes and miss buses, and just uh, just terrible, terrible situation. He he was finally murdered after after he was done with basketball. He was murdered in a uh, mm. in a bad drug deal in Portland. But uh, oh, this wow. this kid this kid could play. And Doug tells a funny story about uh, uh, Larry asking him, uh, "What do you think about bringing Bradley to uh, to Denver?" And and Doug just went off and said, "No way, we don't want that kind of uh, uh, personality affecting our team." And on and mm-hmm. on and on. And mm-hmm. and Larry, after Doug went on and on and on, Larry said, "Well." Yeah, he'll be at practice tomorrow. <laughs> he, he, he'd already he'd already made the deal to bring him in. And here's the funny part: Bradley was late for practice the, the very very first day he he was here. But uh, you know you can you can go down you can go down the list of uh, of people that uh, you know were kind of at the end of their careers and and uh, and and. Uh, run out of options and and Larry didn't mind giving him one more chance but uh, Brian, Brian Taylor was one like that Brian Taylor was so weird he wouldn't he wouldn't shower i mean he he'd play 15 20 25 minutes and he wouldn't shower and we'd get to the locker room and he'd put his street clothes on and head for the door he was just a, <laughs> you tell you tell your dad he was just one strange duck <laughs> you'll appreciate that there was always a big mystery because he like quit mid-season, didn't he? Like, uh, uh, did just like the team was uh, like a dispute or something like that. He's like he claimed the Nuggets didn't pay him money. And yeah, then left, yeah. And then yeah, he like I, suddenly I left. I don't know what that was all about, but I can tell you, <laughs> nobody was sorry to see him go. Oh well. <laughs> well, you guys go through into the Western Conference Finals in '78, and well, even the year before, you play the Bill Walton's. Uh, uh, Portland team that ended up winning the title. Then, right. and you guys the next year. And I don't. I don't. I don't think anyone will look a scan askew on the Nuggets. That that Portland team was really, really unsolved. It was one of the more un, unappreciated teams in NBA history. I should say it's. 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 They were that good. Um, yeah. Well, you know that was before Bill really started having the physical problems. I mean, Bill was. Bill was probably. Uh, uh, w- when he was healthy, Bill was as good as any big man that ever played because mm-hmm. you know he could score inside and rebound, but he was an exceptional passer and he he was he was great. And Clyde Drexler was on that team and Maurice Maurice Lucas and uh, uh, you know that 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 was uh, that Portland team that won the championship was a really really good team. And uh, the next year. Uh, that in this book, and my, uh, several people I've talked to agreed, the 78 Nuggets, they all of them are saying they don't know what happened, but all of them said that you guys were the best team in basketball that year. And I, my dad, my dad, you know, as he, you know, I'm relying on my dad for a lot of this stuff, but he said uh, what killed you guys was uh, losing game two of that series, uh, kind of taking losing that home court advantage. But everyone right. thought. You guys were better than the, the Sonics, and did, when you were winning that series, did you guys have that feeling too? Yeah, I, I, I think um, you know the, the, those teams 
77 and, and 78. I, th I think we all thought, you know, we, we were good enough. I think one of the things that, that hurt us is that, you know, we were an unconventional team. I mean, we didn't play the way most NBA teams played. And when you saw us every six weeks or every two months, you know, you couldn't make the adjustments that you had to. Uh, but when you played us in a seven game series, you know, you could start making the adjustments to, uh, uh, to, to stop us a little bit offensively. We, you know, we certainly thought we were as good as anybody, but that, that seemed to, the way we played, that, that seemed to be a detriment when we started having to play people, you know, in, in seven game series like that. Well, it's, it's, quite fascinating that 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 run from 74 to 70 78 is uh 60 65 wins 60 wins 50 wins in the new nba at that 47 but you won the minbus division both times and i don't i can't think of another period in nuggets history you go to the aba finals Western Conference Finals and make the playoffs every year. I don't know if I can think of a more successful period right. in Nuggets history than that that period. And do you think now coming to the end of '78? Um, unfortunately, things kind of fell apart in '78-79. Do you think that a lot of people point to the uh, trade of Bobby Jones for George McGinnis to be the kind of uh, the, the, the stepping off point of where things kind of started going askew. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, I, I love George McGinnis. I, mm -hmm. I was just with George. I was just with George two weeks ago in uh, Springfield yes. when he was in, inducted into the basketball hall of fame. And, and George was an unbelievable talent. I saw him and he referenced this, uh, in his acceptance speech, I, I, I was in Freedom Hall when he was a senior in high school and in a 36 minute game, no, 32 minute game, mm -hmm. he scored, he scored 53 points and got 30 rebounds. Wow. In a, in a 32 minute game. And, and wow. what he did, what, what he did with the Pacers and with the 76ers, but George was such a physical specimen that and, and and was so talented he 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 didn't have to work that hard at his game and when the physical skills started to erode you know his his game went downhill uh pretty fast mm -hmm. and and that was that was about the time that that he came to Denver and he wound up you know, having some physical problems, and then we traded him to uh, to Indianapolis, and he and he finished his career with the Pacers. But uh, um, yeah, I, I I would say I would say that would have been a great trade for the Nuggets when George was in his prime. But you know, he was he was kind of at the end of his career, and and we brought a couple of other guys in that were at the end of their careers, and you know, really didn't want to work that hard and. Uh, uh, Charlie Scott was one and Tom Boswell was another one. And, and we just, it was just, it, you know, and about that time, David started having his problems. So it was a, 
It was a combination of a lot of things. I, I think, was that the year we were 30, 30 and 52 or 32 and 50, something like that? Yes, uh, that's the year that Larry quit midseason and uh, yeah. Don, Donnie Walsh took over. Yeah, um, um, and, that, that, that I, I was blessed to play 25 years of organized basketball, two in junior high, four in high school, four in college, and 15 in the pros. Out of the 25 years I played, that was the only losing team I was ever on. That's amazing. <laughs> that is, hey, that, that is, that's fantastic. That is, well, you, and uh, how many games did you miss as a Nugget? 13? No, but, uh, Nah, for my for my whole career, I think I missed twenty four. That is that is stunning. Yeah, that, I, I never missed two games in a row, which is uh, in a fifteen year career. That's a pretty that is, amazing record. That is a tremendous. Uh, uh, I think Andre Miller had something similar where he like started uh, uh, every game in his career too. I mean, it's a you know, he never got a deep. Uh, DNPCD. You never got one of those. But I, mm-hmm. I think that you, you know, when, when you look at these these nuggets, oh, fine. I can't believe I forgot this. Tell me your recollection. And I, by the way, I appreciate you indulging me with this interview. I really appreciate it. Um, what are your recollections of David Thompson's 73-point game? Um, it, it, <clears throat> I think... I think it was the only game in my career that I had double-digit assists. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's that's true, uh, because uh, you know you know the story. David yeah. and and I and Ice were uh, were fighting for the scoring championship, and and our place in uh, our our place in the playoffs had already been settled, and so. It was a Sunday afternoon game in in, uh, in Detroit, and we we passed it to David every time down, and and <laughs> David shot it. We were we were uh, we were all everybody on the team was you know hoping we could get the scoring championship for for David, and he scored uh, scored seventy three points that game. Uh, San Antonio played that night, and Gervin I think needed sixty four. 63 to win the mm-hmm. title and he got 65 points in the first three quarters yeah. so so <laughs> david lost the scoring championship to to gervin but we we certainly did everything we could to try and get david that uh, that scoring title in the in the last game that's pretty that's that's such a fascinating uh battle too because i don't think you'll you i don't think i've personally seen in my 30 years of watching NBA basketball, anything like that. I, yeah, I, 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 no, I was just going to say, especially, you know, on the last, last game of the season and Gervin gets 65 and three quarters. That's just, it's stunning. That is absolutely. Well, uh, the David, uh, I believe had 55 at halftime of the, or 53 or at halftime. And, uh, according to this book I'm reading, they started double and triple teaming him. <laughs> In the second half, and he only right. scored twenty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know, it, it took him a half to catch on to what we were doing, but <laughs> they, they they didn't want David breaking any records against them. That's for sure. 
Um, that last year, uh, 78, 79, obviously the only time, the only losing record. Um, uh, Larry was, uh, every account I've had is, is not having a good time. Uh, and obviously, uh, it seems like your personal relationship with Larry kind of frayed then and he was constantly trying to trade people and whatever. Is there, do you think that, do you look back on your time with Larry and think, if we were able to hold it together, and maybe some circumstances change that that maybe those nuggets because I believe the Sonics won the title the next year they, they played right. the Bullets again right the, they, it was like two years in a row they played and right. do you do you ever look back on this the, this the whole you know experience of like when your first year with the Nuggets to uh, when the, that last year when Larry left to where do you think that maybe if things went a little differently. It could have been the Nuggets winning in '79 instead of the Sonics. Yeah, I, you know it's uh, it's hard to single out one thing. Uh, you know, if 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 I had instead of saying it was Larry or trading Bobby or uh, you know, you could point to a lot of different things. I, I think probably, unfortunately. Uh, and, and I'm so happy for him that he's got his life straightened out. I would say the biggest thing was David yeah. and, and, and what happened, what happened to him? Uh, because, you know, the following year, um, all those guys were gone. I mean, George was gone and Charlie was gone and Boswell was gone. And, um, uh, it, uh, you know, and, and we we turned it around and, and had a winning team. But you know, if, mm-hmm. if if David if David hadn't had his personal problems, uh, you know, we we would have contended for an NBA championship for several more years. Um, I, I fully believe that too. And I, I everyone I've spoken to, I, I actually was talking to Sandy Clough about this, and he believes that. Uh, you guys during that period. Now he got here at '79, but from an outsider perspective, coming to there, you this Nuggets team was one of the best teams of the '70s that he'd seen. That just didn't quite get there, you know. And it's yeah. not mostly you guys like played introduced the 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 Larry Brown, Doug Moe, Dan Issel, David Thompson, uh, Bobby Jones, the Nuggets introduced a style of play that the NBA had never seen. And I think, I think that part of the Nuggets legacy is what endures to this day. I, I I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, uh, you know, the, 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 the the Nuggets and uh, slash ABA, uh, changed professional basketball anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, for the good, uh, in, in many aspects of the game. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.